0: Yeah, so we have unlimited PTO already, um, and then we, uh, twice a year, you can get a bonus if you take a vacation. So we're basically paying you a bonus if you take a vacation to incentivize good vacation behavior.
1: Welcome to Humans of SaaS. I'm your host, Ben Nguyen, and on this show, I talk to entrepreneurs, innovators, and leaders from the tech industry who each have a unique and compelling story to share. Chris Rudegraff is the CEO and co-founder of Sendoso, a popular end-to-end gifting platform that helps you source, store, and ship out direct mail gifts. Chris, great to have you on.
0: Yeah, thank you so much. No, I think that's good. I mean, from uh, additional details, so we've got our software platform that connects into your tech stack, allows you to have teams, users, budgets, uh, Mm -hmm. allows you to track everything with reporting. So more than just sending gifts, but uh, that's the gist of it everything
1: you could possibly need to send cool things to clients
0: there you go i i like that i like that
1: better you must have some interesting things get sent through your platform oh yeah what's the weirdest thing that
0: you have in your warehouse right now we had some barbecues that i thought was kind of random thing to to gift to people cool.
1: <laughs> as a get like as a client as like a prospect yeah Netflix, it's a barbecue. join us for a demo we'll send you a barbecue yeah i want to know if that worked i want the <laughs> return on that
0: yeah uh, there's uh, that's a that's a funny one there's a Infinitely more funny ones too. Just like so many creative things that we see that we uh, send out, which is cool.
1: What's something that your team sends out? Like, do you feel like there's a double standard when you're prospecting, you have to send
0: like extra cool stuff to um, prospects? I'd say there's a bit of like, we want to lead by example. So we do have a lot of cool mm-hmm. stuff um, and we send probably more than anyone else because we're uh, showcasing how we send, you know, at the top funnel or with SDRs or with AEs, mm-hmm. or then with CSMs with, uh, HR, with recruiting, with uh, you name it. So uh, the, the magnitude of our sending is more than anyone else I'd say.
1: I'm sure, and I'm sure it amplified even further during COVID, you probably saw that across all your customers.
0: Oh yeah, exactly. COVID really provided some tailwinds, especially with everyone being at home. Um, and so there was probably a, a new set of, of gifting uh, options that we saw uh, take off in popularity, like sending DoorDash and Uber Eats gift cards. That was True. super popular or like, coloring books or DIY donut making kits, things that would be good for the family. Um, because you know, likely you're sending to somebody that might have some kids or roommates or something that's at home that can share in the, the, the gift.
1: Cool. Well, I'm, I'm excited to go back through a little bit because you've had a pretty crazy entrepreneurial journey. I think you've, you've started at least three companies, if not four.
0: Exactly. So I'd say I uh, started a couple in college, kind of attempted to start a couple more um, that kind of, uh, I guess you could say the word starting is good. I, I, when I think about <laughs> it, I'd say finishing or scaling. I've really done that maybe tw- twice um, or one, one and a half times, I'd say, with Sendoza being the one.
1: <laughs> well, I'm excited to to get to the, the major success story that is Sendoza, but yeah. I, lo- I love sort of hearing about, the original start. I loved how you put it to me earlier uh, when you we were speaking, when you said, you know, I took 10K out just to, uh, in student loans to, to start a startup. I burned through it and failed. Yeah. Like, and that, was pr- that was pretty much it. So what was that startup? I'm dying to know.
0: Yeah. So in college, I started to uh, love the concept of startups and wanted to do my own. And so uh, I needed money because I didn't have a, a technical co-founder. So I said, hey, let me hire an engineer that can build some stuff. So that startup was called College Invent and the concept was a crowdsourced innovation uh, program where companies could have idea contests and get college students to submit an idea for a you know whether it's a new type of toothbrush or a new you know idea for a feature of a platform and really use the wisdom of the crowd to um, ideate you know, and drive uh, innovation took out a student loan, as I thought that was an an interesting uh, fundraising avenue since I had no prior experience fundraising and uh, burned through it. And the the company, uh, we barely launched and then realized that we just, uh, the product wasn't right, just didn't uh, have the right team, so. It's an interesting concept though. Do you think that's something that could still work today? Um, so there's been a couple companies that have done it. There's a company called Spigot that did a really good job of basically doing that exact same thing. Yeah, I think it's been done now. Uh, so I was a little a little early, but uh, someone I think has made hundreds of millions on it.
1: I mean, now now you can probably like
0: look back and be okay with that, but I'm sure there was a moment where you're like, damn it. Yeah, I mean, I've always been kind of an idea guy, so I have like a notebook of like ideas. Going back like twenty years, and you know, mm-hmm. even stupid things like it would be cool if there was like an internet radio that you could like listen to songs instead of on my you know Walkman and like yeah. obviously that's been invented ten, been the ten, ten times. Typify. Yeah, exactly. But I think that the story there is everyone has good ideas. It's the ones that you execute on and, and actually go out and build, or that's the the true. That's the hard part. Like, I you, I could tell you fifty ideas, and you know doesn't matter
1: (laughs) honestly this is why i never really understood and maybe there's a rationale i haven't thought of but the whole stealth startup thing like if your idea is that like so ridiculously brilliant that like no one can know about it otherwise they're going to go rip it off and if they could do that then are you really the best founder for it and is it really like does it need to be in stealth mode or do you just like the word stealth Uh, i think
0: it's the latter (laughs) sounds cool to be
1: in stealth i don't know how many it'd be interesting to see on linkedin how many companies
0: are called stealth startup Right yeah, I'd actually be annoying. interested in searching that too. That'd be kind of interesting to see.
1: Uh, so you tried that one, and then you said you raised forty k. So you were yeah. right back at it with idea number two. What was yes. idea number two?
0: So idea number two was something that uh, was called allstudentrentals.com, and it was a website where you could find roommates, you could find mm-hmm. properties that you could rent close to college campuses, and then you could pay your rent online. It's kind of a three-in-one. And, you know, again, I think that came from my pain of trying to find a housing and find roommates and writing checks, you know, it was kind of an idea that had maybe been tried before, or uh, there was other avenues like Craigslist and stuff. But I said, Hey, can we build a better mousetrap? I think with college event, it was like, I I was kind of inventing the, the category or the concept. And so that was a little trickier than just like reinventing a better mousetrap. With that, I was able to. Uh, I, I got a couple of uh, friends to put in some money, and I got the university uh, to put in some money through like a 25K uh, check. Um, and so that kicked things off and ultimately was a little bit more successful, I could say. There was an exit. I sold it. I made some, a little bit of money. I had, I think, eight employees at the, the time of exit. So there was a. Uh, yeah, it was it was a fun go around. I spent uh, about a year and a half in college doing it and then 6 months post college doing it before selling it.
1: That's really cool. Yeah. Was there any anticipation about jumping back in like were you not traumatized from your first?
0: Yeah, so there, I was definitely not traumatized by the failure, but I what I did learn when I was selling it is that actually I didn't know enough to feel mm-hmm. like I could scale it. There were so many unknowns and I was, you know, 22 and so that was really an epiphany too of like, let me not try to start something again. I know I can get something from, let's just say zero to one, but can I get something from one to 100? And that was kind of the unknown for me at that point. Like I was confident I could, you know, build some software and get, you know, the tens of thousands of users to use it. And I think that was, you know, uh, good. That was good to learn. But could I have, you know, get millions of users or million tens tens of millions in revenue that I didn't really know. And I decided, like, let me go back into the workforce and work for other smart entrepreneurs. Nice.
1: So you did the first one, you did the second one that exited. And then what came after you were, you were, you started working some other tech companies or were you already thinking of idea number three?
0: No. So I decided like, Hey, let me go work for other tech companies. So I worked, uh, I I jumped into various sales roles. And so I thought sales was something that came natural. It was an an easy avenue to, to, to jump into another company, to, to be uh, in the sales department. And so I just said, hey, I'm gonna go and see how other companies scale and learn from other smart entrepreneurs. So I did that at a company called Yapstone, then a company called Pecora. and I was very early on, but I saw companies raise hundreds of millions in revenue. I saw millions in sales. I saw you know hundreds of headcount growth. So it was really good, like uh, learning for me. And I was kind of like the silent person in the background taking notes.
1: That, I, I feel like you're probably like that in all aspects of your life, because this whole thing around, all your ideas are reflective of problems that you see going on around you. Yeah. They're not like these crazy out there conceptual things about like internet 2.0 kind of things. It's like, I see this direct problem in front of me. And like you said, you've got that notebook of ideas. So I really love that approach, but you must be very observational as as a human.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I tried, and I think that that's like the best ideas, in my opinion, come from problems that you're trying to solve versus just like coming up with, uh, you know, uh, something that you think is cool because it can make some money.
1: For sure. Speaking of that, was it, were you trying to send someone a barbecue and you were at talk desk <laughs> and then you're like, duh, there has
0: to be a better way. Not a barbecue, but uh, definitely I was seeing that email was becoming kind of a semi a noisy channel and I was sending myself millions of emails it felt like and I wanted to get more creative I wanted to to build better relationships with prospects to to sell to them and so I found myself finding quirky gifts off of Amazon I'd go steal swag from our swag closet I'd go to Starbucks to buy gift cards and I'd mail all these things out and it was a part of my day-to-day It was just, you know, taking hours of my time and it worked, but I was like, Hey, is there an easier way to do this? And I was like, well, maybe if there was just like a button in Salesforce, I could just click and send something. And then that was kind of an aha moment. Uh, So I was like, Hey, that, that could be cool. Maybe there's a company there. And I asked some friends They're like I'd use that. And then Mm -hmm. the, the epiphany really came when I was researching and saw that corporate gifts, swag, direct mail, kind of a combination of those three industries were hundreds of billions of dollars being spent annually. Um, I said, Hey, this is a huge opportunity that no one's really modernized. It's all spreadsheets offline manual. And so that was like the epiphany of, I should start something.
1: That's awesome. And it's crazy to think that, so now you recently raised this $100 million round, it's worth over half a billion dollars and you started it with $5,000 on Upwork.
0: Correct. So. Version one was actually called coffeecenter.com. So this was something that ultimately was the way to send coffee gift cards. And so that was like the easiest thing I could bite off and uh, figure out, hey, I can if I can build a button inside Salesforce that says send coffee and it sends someone a Starbucks gift card with a little note. Right. That kind of is a proof point version one of like people are willing to spend money to send stuff to prospects and do it in right. a very one click and go way. And that was, you know, five grand and built it out, Salesforce app, web app, boom. You know, started to see, you know, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars come in over the course of a couple months. So that was kind of a, okay, this is kind of working well. Joined forces with an old buddy from Chico actually that I knew to come in. And and at the time it was a side project, like I'd spend maybe an Mm -hmm. hour a day in the night kind of uh, with a few updates and emails. He jumped in full time to go full force which Uh I was like, it's kind of a a nice feature. I don't know if this is a company, it was kind of a proof point, Uh, but he was gung-ho on it. After a couple months selling it, we we again got to even a couple hundred thousand more in revenue. We really decided, hey, like, how do we send way more stuff? And that was really when Sendoso was born. And then I quit my job uh, to go work on building Sendoso full-time because I needed to rebuild all of the software to work for logistics and build a warehouse and everything else, and so that was something I needed to do full time and uh, jumped right in.
1: But by then you already had a few hundred thousand in revenue, it sounds like.
0: Yeah, so we had a few hundred thousand in revenue. So that was a nice proof point. We basically you know, took um, that and used it to kind of bootstrap, initially, the, the cost to start Sendoso. Um, and then we quickly shut down Coffee Center to focus all of our efforts on Sendoso.
1: And when did you realize, when did you get VCs involved?
0: Yeah, so we wanted, be, because of the fact that we felt like we needed to get proof because this was kind of a new software category, we weren't mm-hmm. like just building a better mousetrap, we were kind of reinventing a new category. Also with two sales founders that hadn't had like uh, raised hundreds of millions before, we we said, hey, we need to go get proof first before we go to VCs. So, we were heads down just selling this, you know, reaching out to everybody, driving revenue. And that was our goal. Is like let's get revenue first. And we uh, got to uh, a couple hundred thousand in revenue in ARR and was able to get a couple about 300,000 in kind of friends and family in um, and, and a convertible note. And then a couple months after that, I had about 600,000 in ARR and said, hey, let's go get some seed money. Then we raised a two million seed, and then a year later, uh, we raised an eleven million A. A year later, a forty million B, and then a year and a half later, a hundred million C. It's like clockwork. What yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's pretty
1: crazy. I mean, like, does it surprise you looking back, like where you, where everything is now, or is it sort of like, yeah, I knew it was gonna get to this point?
0: Um, I mean, there's, I I think this. Su- the surprising, there's definitely some surprise in our growth and our, how fast we've grown and, and our ability to scale. But I think we, uh, you know, it was a big problem. It's a huge addressable market and a, a great business model. We've added, built an amazing team. So I think if you ha- add all those people things together, it creates, you know, a recipe for success. So I think we've did a lot of things right along the way. What are some of the things you think you did wrong? Well, I think we probably could have raised money maybe a little sooner, like for our first, maybe 10 employees, we were trying to make sure we had enough revenue to pay them for like mm-hmm. the year before we would like, uh, try to bring on in the next person. So there was a lot of maybe stress on the system in the early days, we probably yep. could have gone and raised money a little bit sooner. But because I think if, you, if you're going to go down the, the bootstrap path, sure, you can go down that path. And definitely if you're going to go down the VC path, you know, once you start, you don't really stop, if you're going to commit to that, you can go a little earlier. So that was one thing, you know, I think just wanting to be a good recruiter, I, I think that was uh, something that, you know, I'm a really good recruiter now, but I, would, uh, I, mean, I think some of my sales expertise lended itself to being good at recruiting, but, you know, having about 500 employees now is a lot of recruiting efforts you could have probably brought on more recruiters earlier as we scaled up the company.
1: And people are probably one of the toughest components. Yeah to building a company, finding the people and then especially in this market, but like finding finding the right people and then getting them on board. And it seems like nowadays you have to do that within 48 hours. Otherwise, they've been they've gotten three other offers. I know it's
0: a wild world out right now.
1: During all that time, you're starting all these companies. You're working a lot in tech. Like, how did you manage to or did you find that you were working sustainably or did you find that you were running into issues with, you know, either sacrificing
0: personal life or mental health or or those sorts of things uh, along the way? Yeah, so I would say like uh, it was about 10 years ago when I was at another company. I saw myself thinking that s- startups you needed to spend 20 hours a day on. And I remember like waking up at five in the morning and go, you know, it's raining out and I'm going into the office and I'm putting all this time in. That company ended up selling for almost nothing off of that after like three and a half years. And I, I had a girlfriend at the time that we broke up, partially due to my overworking. And so I really realized like, hey, I worked my ass off for three years, didn't really get an outcome, lost a girlfriend, was it worth it? And it was kind of like a blessing in disguise. And so going into Sendoso, my mindset was like, I'm gonna work, this is a, A marathon. I'm going to be doing this for ten years or twenty years if if it it all works out. I don't need to spend twenty hours a day. Uh, And if I work smarter than harder, I can create a sustainable culture. I can maintain my health and wellness and um, create a a better company culture too. So that was kind of going in my mindset. I you know was like, hey, we're going to have a a fun vacation policy where we're going to pay people to take vacations. So there's no reason why they're not taking a vacation. We're going to have other uh, cool perks around work-life balance. And so that was something that has worked out great for us. I find myself having a, an amazing work-life balance. And I think that it's proof that you don't have to work 20-hour days and, you know, work smart, not long.
1: Work for the sake of work is not, uh, yes. not worth doing. But I love but I love them. There's a few things in there I want to dig into. The first and foremost being anyone listening, re-examine if you're spending 20 hours a day on work, whether it's at a startup or it's your own startup, because that should not be, it's not sustainable and it's not healthy. So if that is the case, at least talk to other people to get some feedback around whether you might be overworking. Uh, But the second thing I wanted to call out was something you said earlier, which was you waited to hire early in the the early days of Sendoso, because you wanted to make sure you had enough money in the bank to pay everyone for the year. Mm -hmm. And even that to me tells a lot about your personal sort of approach to to leadership. If if the top goal above everything else was growth, sales, you know, this company being successful, then who cares if we can't pay them in six months, then we can't pay them in six months. You know, that's that's secondary or tertiary. But it just shows that you really are thinking even from day one. We're thinking about the health and the well-being of your team um, and making sure that they weren't joining this crazy insecure thing. They at least had a year of security before signing on, which I think is is really remarkable.
0: Yeah, and it was definitely teeter totter in terms of our thought process of like, okay, who's the next? It all it also made us to decide on who's the next best person to hire because we didn't have unlimited resources, so we had to be True. really strategic in our hires. It also laid a little bit more foundation where you know the founders had to put a little uh, more effort in the early days on all the different roles. So I was, you know, CSM one day, and the next day I was uh, finance, and the next day I was right. you know support, and the next day I was engineering and a lot of great early foundational learning that you know maybe in some cases if you're venture funded out the gate you can quickly delegate which you know maybe in in the future that's maybe a better path but that we definitely learned a lot from having to kind of uh, rough it in the early days.
1: Today's show is brought to you by Catalyst Software, the fastest growing customer success platform on the market. Catalyst gives you unmatched customizability, a seamless bi-directional Salesforce integration that takes less than five minutes to set up, and a world-class customer success team that'll be by your side every step of the way. Let's be honest, whatever you're currently using might be good enough, But is good enough really what you're aiming for? Take your CS team to the next level by switching to Catalysts today. To learn more, visit Catalyst.io. And if you aren't looking for a CS platform right now, you should subscribe to our newsletter and follow us on LinkedIn anyways. I make daily memes, we host all sorts of events, and we love to give away our swag, which has been called the comfiest swag in the industry. Again, check out Catalyst.io to learn more. I loved hearing about the early days of Chris's entrepreneurial journey because the way he tells it anyone could do it he spent a few thousand bucks he took out a small loan he was able to repay it back he launched a company while he was working already at a full-time job so that's low risk it flies in the face of a lot of the sort of romantic entrepreneurial marketing stuff that we hear all the time around you know you have to quit school you have to quit your job you have to start it in a garage and you know take out every penny you possibly can and put your life and your family's life at risk. Like, I think so many of those stories became so pervasive that it started to feel like those were the only people that could become entrepreneurs. But I love the example he sets of just being this very measured, thoughtful founder who valued his team members and was excited about the product he was building. And he did it in a way that was relatively risk averse and ended up becoming this incredibly successful business that's venture backed and worth over half a billion dollars. I love that. I mean, I love that mentality with, with I see it with a lot of founders is sort of that ambitious optimism where it's like, we'll figure it out like any whatever the problem is, yeah. you know, there's a solution we can figure it out. There's a way and whether it's me or whatever, like it's just sort of that relentless no matter what comes up there, there's a solution. And like you said, jumping into those different seats like you probably didn't know how to do three quarters of those jobs off the bat, but you figure it out as you go.
0: Exactly. And I think that you you brought up a good point of like the relentless optimism, I think, is a really key trait of a successful entrepreneur because there's a lot of ups and downs. And if you can just think big and be positive and, you know, my advice is celebrate the small wins because, you know, a lot of small wins equals a lot of momentum. I think some entrepreneurs get, get down on themselves in the early days and it's like, oh, I failed with this. But it's like, well, you know, it wasn't meant to be, let's move on to this, let's fix this, Let, you know, let's keep on running. Definitely.
1: I find with myself, I always end up being, I mean, I have the the relentless optimism part, but I think I feel sometimes that comes in the way of details and perfectionism because the people who are not optimistic are the ones who are best suited to see the the tiny details that should be there or that could improve it and that, that last 20%, right? I'm, I'm like an 80-20 kind of person. I like getting an 80%. So I think, you know, you need everything to build a team for sure. That's, you know, complimentary skills, but it's definitely something I see among founders is sort of that, that relentless optimism and ambition, the excitement of like what they can do, like aiming far, aiming as far as they can possibly think. And then, you know, it's the most cliche phrase, but the aim for the stars and you'll land on the moon or something like that. Exactly.
0: Yeah, I think it's. I look at it as like, how much optimism can you have before you're kind of crazy? And that's like teetering in between <laughs> being crazy and being overly optimistic. And I think that's a good place for founders to live.
1: Definitely. So tell me about this vacation policy. So you, is it unlimited PTO and they're paid or how, how does yeah, it work? Yeah, so we
0: have unlimited PTO already. Um, and then we, uh, twice a year, you can get a bonus if you take a vacation. So it, we're basically paying you a bonus if you take a vacation to incentivize... Good vacation behavior. I love that. I'm probably gonna. <laughs>
1: I'm gonna try to get our company to steal it. Or what? How do you ensure that people are taking a, a real vacation?
0: Yeah. So you have. Uh, you have to post a picture of your vacation into a Slack channel with that everyone's nice. in, so that you share that you are on vacation. So it, it creates a cl- collaborative environment where people celebrate vacations versus like, oh, Chris is not in the office today. Like. Boo, he's not working so <laughs> it's more the opposite where people celebrate vacation and during covid we celebrated staycation so you could mm-hmm. you know do a staycation and still get the benefit of uh, of this perk um but it you know now it feels like people are starting to get back out there if, if if they're comfortable and take advantage of the the vacation versus the staycation
1: i love that yeah it's we're sort of in that middle ground but i love the, i love i love that idea i know there's a few you know people that have explored things like vacation matching funds with employees. I always found that interesting up to a certain maximum. Yeah, it's kind of the same
0: thing, I guess you could say that we're doing. We just have a different spin on yeah, it.
1: It's an incentive. Right. Yeah. And, and I mean, even even us, you know, I really appreciated the start of each. quarter. You know, now we're doing at the start of each quarter. Managers are specifically like this is by the end of the week. Like our your our team needs to put in our PTO for the next three months, like at least a week or preferably more. I love how that's changed so drastically (laughs) over the last few years, even when I first started in tech, uh, like six years ago, like it was not this world. It's Mm -hmm. very different. Yeah. Are there other ideas or things you might be able to, uh, that you can share that people might be able to steal in terms of culture, how you kind of foster this? culture that values mental health, work life balance at Sendoso?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think one of the other things we do well, I mean, just because we were Sendoso is that we gift our employees quite a bit and we let other employees True. gift each other. And so you can shout out people and people get bonuses or, or little gifts for getting shouted out. Uh, we rec- I love that. So we recognize um, employees based on our core values. And then they are re- the people that get shout out or rewarded by our people team or we're doing a lot of engaging employees through sending swag and gifts for for more occasions than you can imagine, not just the birthday holiday stuff. It's like, it's a national coffee day. We're sending you a yeah. cool, you know, coffee kit or it's national margarita day. Everyone here's, you know, margarita mix and enjoy. So trying to, you know, make up holidays or reasons to send people stuff so that they feel warm and welcomed and just a, something else to, to take your mind off the day-to-day work and have some fun. I love that. Do you have uh is there
1: a Lattice integration? Cause that's what we use for shadow. it would be really cool if we could. Yeah. Do Lattice.
0: That's I've talked to them re- uh, recently. So hopefully in the future we'll have a Lattice integration so that you can, uh, you know, through Lattice send stuff out.
1: Yeah. That'll be phenomenal. Well, we're happy to be a beta beta Perfect. user when the, when Perfect. the time is right. I love it. Currently you're at how many employees at Sendosa? Uh, we're about 500 employees. In terms of how you've sort of kept that culture as you scaled, did you ever run into challenges where you're like, oh, the pendulum has swung too far,
0: or we made some mishires and we need to kind of course correct? You know, I think we're constantly trying to keep this uh, culture of of, of a fun place to work, a collaborative place. A, you know, uh, we celebrate our core values quite frequently, almost daily through Slack shout outs. We're, We're focused on kind of continuing this like celebratory, celebrate the small wins mentality. So I think for, from when we hire leadership to when we hire new employees, we want to make sure that they instill the same kind of culture and values that we have. We've done a good job of that. I mean, obviously, you know, there's been people that have gotten fired or people that have left the company along the way. And so it's not like we're 100% employee retention. But, you know, for the most part, I'm very happy with our uh, how we're able to retain employees. We have, we're celebrating four-year anniversaries, which is cool. So some of our very nice. first employees are coming up on four years or surpassed their four years. So it's really cool to see that longevity of employees and i think ultimately my advice for keeping company culture is really making sure that it's something on your to-do list and it's something that you spend time on constantly or how are you reinventing your values as your company changes from 20 employees to you know 500 or how are you reimagining what perks you want to offer or how are you uh, coming up with creative new ways to you know uh, dr- drive your culture forward so i probably have an hour a week or more on my calendar where I'm thinking about one of those topics. And it's a part of uh, my weekly to do is to figure out how to we continue that. Yeah. That's crazy. That's yeah. that's awesome. I
1: love that. Yeah. That's just sort of blank space where you're like, okay, this week I'm thinking about our culture and do you go for a walk or do you?
0: Yeah. It's a mix of blank space. Sometimes sometimes it's a mix of like, hey, we have a new HR business ops person who's focused on rolling out new perks and rewards for employees. Like let's do a brainstorm or it's Hey, like what uh, So sometimes it's collaborating with other teammates and sometimes it's just me kind of brainstorming while I walk.
1: What's, what does the future look like for Sandoso? I mean, you've got, I'm sure, ambitious plans for remaining couple months of the year, but then into 2022, I'm, I'm sure you've got lots of ideas. So, so what should we be excited about?
0: Yeah, so lots of continued growth in terms of our team. So we're hiring mm-hmm. uh, across the board for anyone um, that's listening. Um, We're investing a lot in our product and in our R&D, so lots of new features for our platform that our customers will love. Um, We're focused on some international growth, so we'll continue to, we we already have an international footprint in terms of our logistics and operations, um, but we'll continue to invest more internationally from a go-to-market perspective. So those are kind of the key areas in just continuing to uh, meet the demands of of this growing opportunity.
1: If you need someone to build community in like the South of France, the Amalfi Coast kind of area, <laughs> I mean, that's probably the one thing that will get me away from Catalyst. But oh man, uh, that'd be an ideal. no, one thing I always like to ask, I, I spoke with Rand Fishkin a couple of weeks ago, I uh, was the founder of Moz and yeah. then now, now Sparktoro. Um, he has some really fun, strong opinions about startups and startup culture and um, VCs and all that kind of stuff. So I'm curious if there's anything that you kind of are seeing still sort of going on in the in the startup space or the tech space that you think needs to come to an end or or needs to start. Let's let's not be start I'll, I'll, or I'll try end. not to be yeah, I'll try not to be super let's do like a stop, start, continue. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I don't want to be super negative. But yeah,
0: I would say like one of the things that I personally hit some for me is just investing in kind of business founders, people that have, you know, sales, marketing, customer success backgrounds. I think that's a newer phenomenon where you used to feel like you had to be in product or engineering to be a founder. And so I think the uh, Sendoza is a great success story of sales founders starting the company. So I think that's something that I think can maybe more start and continue. Um, Mm -hmm. And hopefully we'll see more of that too.
1: So your first 5K that you put into Upwork, was that to hire an engineer?
0: Yes, exactly.
1: And they were able to build something that was functional enough that you could. That was the the button on Salesforce, essentially, right? Connecting that to yeah, the It was a Salesforce started. app and
0: then a website that you could sign up and put in your payment, create a team and create users and see some basic uh, reports.
1: Excellent. Well, it sounds like there's a lot of exciting stuff coming with Sendoso. Closing off, I'd love to hear, you know, what's, what are a couple of things if you could go back to the, the start of your entrepreneurial career, you know, early day when you were working at another tech company, but thinking about what you were gonna do one or two pieces of advice that you would that you would give to yourself so i'd
0: say one of the things is just you know try some stuff on the side you don't need to you know you could spend your nights and weekends instead of drinking at a bar or going to play some sports or something spend a few a few hours of your free time as as your hobby of you know building an mvp so i think mm-hmm. that's one advice is like use your time wisely when you have it in the nights and weekends so you can always get up at five and go to bed at midnight so what are you doing for those other eight hours of your day uh, so I think that's the first advice and then second is go do it you know if you have the inspiration like what's the worst that could happen you go back to a job after um so that right. was uh my mindset there's a lot of entrepreneurs out there that are, are or maybe not even entrepreneurs yet but ones that want to be that are kind of sitting there saying ah I, it's not for me I can't figure it out I'm gonna fail and instead just go try it and if you fail who cares and you'll go back to working the same job you did before I love
1: so. that. And I love the example that, that you and, and Sendosa set of, you know, being able to start it with not a lot of money yeah. and a full time job at the same time. And exactly. it's just a, a good idea that you figured out the, the way to make it work. Uh, makes it feel like it's not such a impossible thing. Like if you oh. have the right idea and the, and the drive, you can, it's possible to do. 100%. Well, Chris, thank you so much for, for taking the time and coming on the show.
0: Yeah. Thank you, Ben. This was great. It's
1: a fun time. If there's one thing I love to hear about, it's a company culture that values its team members, prioritizes mental health and does things like pays its employees to take PTO. The pendulum has swung so far from where it was just a short time ago and to see Sendoso's success and how they've scaled so successfully to have over 500 employees and still have the kind of culture that values mental health. Work-life balance, working sustainably, taking PTO, having these accountability systems in place that are also fun where people are posting their vacation photos in a dedicated channel. I think that's so exciting about what the future of work is going to look like. Like if those are the companies that are succeeding today and the companies that are having this, you know, work until you pass out mentality are failing, then We're all in for a pretty good time in the workforce as as we move forward. So hopefully this trend continues and hopefully people take some of Chris's suggestions and ideas to heart and hopefully implement them at their own companies. Thanks so much for listening to the show. If you enjoyed it, please rate us five stars and leave a review. Make sure to subscribe. And if you want to reach out to us, our email is community at getcatalyst.io.